Please stand as you're able for the reading of today's New Testament lesson from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 17 to 30. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man, and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him, one after another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes, as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not, never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they have sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Brother Raul, for such a powerful word. Well, welcome, friends, to week two of our sermon series, The Passion of Jesus. During the Lent season, we will study the passion of Jesus. The word passion, as I said last week, comes from the Latin word suffering. And during this Lenten season together, we will look throughout the book of Matthew to study the short final period in the life of Jesus. Last week, we studied the anointing. This week, we're going to study the Last Supper, then the betrayal, the denial, the arrest, the trial, all the way to the cross. Hmm. Last week, we studied the passion, not only of Jesus, but also of the woman with the oil. And in our studying and our time together, we realized that she knew that she had to do what she was called to do. She knew that she had to get to Jesus. This was her time to go and to pour the oil over his head to signify his position as high priest and Lord. And tonight, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will explore the passion in the last meal. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Oh God, thank you for using me as your messenger. Crucify my flesh so your Holy Spirit may rise up within me. Preach your word, teach your word as you see fit for you. 
and everyone listening under the sound of my voice. May they hear, see, receive, comprehend what you are asking and calling us to and to do. Speak, Lord, speak, Lord, for we, your children, your servants, are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. Throughout scripture, Jesus is always in fellowship with his friends. Jesus attends weddings. He watched couples get married. They dance. He see people, they drinking, they're partying, they're having a great time. And Jesus is there in fellowship. Jesus worships with his friends. He teaches, he heals, he preaches, all in the company of friends and sometimes enemies. Jesus accepts dinner invitations and shares a meal with his friends. So Jesus sorts of sets an example with his followers of a family because they're always in fellowship. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, they're together and they do it together. It is something about sharing a meal with family and close friends at a dinner table, isn't it? It's intimate, we can hear each other well, we can see each other, we can touch each other, we can talk. There are so many wonderful things, good, bad, ugly, and indifferent that happens at a family dinner table. Well, Matthew begins the text of the Passover celebration with the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Passover was a festival that lasted for a week. It was a religious holiday for the Jewish communities as they celebrated God's liberation to Israel from slavery in Egypt. The Passover meal is a special, intimate meal shared with family and close friends. And as you'll see on the picture, I have two representations of Passover. You'll see the unleveling bread that represents the moment when Pharaoh decided to let the people go. The people know that time was not on their side and they had to go. So they didn't have time to allow to, the yeast to go in to make the bread for it to rise. They had to go. So the bread did not have yeast. And so when they got where they were going and they celebrated, the bread was unleavened. So out of celebration and commencement and remembrance of the Jewish families, the families remove all the yeast from their meal for Passover. And the wine represented the blood of the young lamb, as you see on the picture, posted over the door. You see, the angel of death was coming through to kill the firstborn. I know that sounds awful, but it's scripture, y'all. And scripture says that those who followed God, they knew to take a young lamb, make a sacrifice and place the blood over their doors. And scripture says when the angel of death passed by, when he saw the blood of the lamb, he passed over their homes. So 
for this Jewish community, Passover is very important, like to us how Christmas is important to us. Passover is important. And so they celebrated. So this from Matthew is a high time in the Jewish community, and they're coming together to have this meal. Well, Scripture tells us that Jesus tells them how to prepare for the meal and to go see a certain man and tell him that we will come and we will have Passover meal there. And they do as Jesus instructed, and now they're having the meal. Well, during the meal, Jesus predicts one of the disciples will betray him. Now, church, let's talk a little minute about this scene. Now, y'all eating this good food, you're laughing, you're having a good time, and then out of nowhere, Jesus says, surely I tell you, tonight one of you will betray me. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have been done. No more food for me. I don't want to eat. I, I mean, Jesus, what are you talking about? But something bizarre happens right after. The disciples ask Jesus a question. They say, surely is it not I, Lord? Now notice how they ask Jesus the question. They ask Jesus the question with uncertainty. Is it I, Lord? <laughs> they didn't ask with come like, Lord, I know it's not me. Surely it isn't I. They needed Jesus to reaffirm their loyalty as they themselves were unsure. Mm. Secondly, the disciples, they do not point fingers at anyone. Instead, they're doing a self-check. How many of us can honestly say you would have responded like the disciples. Amen, sister. Not many. Because you know how we do. If somebody accuses you of something, whether you're guilty or not, a lot of us would be prideful and say, I know it's not me. I'm sure you aren't talking about me. Or some of us will respond this way, mm-hmm, James, mm-hmm. That sounds like something you would do. <laughs> but the disciples, they're not concerned with what everybody else is doing. And if it's somebody else in the room, they are concerned with self. Is it I, Lord? So I brought something with me. I think I've told this story before, but this stays on the bookshelf in my office. And this is a replica of the Last Supper. And if you see, there's a head missing. This is how I bought it, y'all, for $2. Okay, so the head is missing. And you probably say, well, Reverend Toy, what are you up to? So. This is a constant reminder of me 
to self-check myself. This is me. Is it I, Lord? Is it I? Am I being too much? Am I too self-centered? Am I into myself? Am I the one that will betray you, deny you? Am I the one not representing you well at this time? Is it I? This reminds me when I'm in my office and I'm tired and someone wants to talk to me, pastor tells the truth, y'all, and it's not a good day for me. And I'm like, Lord, oh Lord, have mercy, somebody won't talk. And then I look right in front of me and I said, mm, is it I, Lord? I'm making today be about me and not about you. But you notice that, G, that Judah says, surely not I, Rabbi. If the disciples weren't paying attention, they would have assumed that Judas responded the same way they did. You know, they said, surely it's not I, Lord. Surely it's not I, Rabbi, says Judas. Judas addresses Jesus as Rabbi and not Lord. So I struggled for a moment because I was like, well, both represents the responses are respectable. However, they are not the same because Lord means God, the supreme being of whom all obedience, your everything, your worship, everything about you belongs to. Lord also means you are mine. I claim you. And by calling Jesus Lord, the disciples are given an expression of complete commitment to Jesus. So when they say, surely is it I, Lord? The disciples acknowledge that Jesus is God. Not just God up there, but their God. But on the other hand, Judas only sees Jesus as a teacher. At this very moment, we see the disconnect between Judas with Jesus and with the others. How do you see Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a teacher, a prophet, or is he Lord in your life? So now here are all of these disciples. I'm sure that the room was probably a little chaotic because everyone's probably saying, is it I, Lord, is I? Surely it isn't I. Lord, is I? What? And Jesus says, whoever places his hand in the bowl with me is the one. As part of the meal, a bowl is placed between two people. You know, if you're sitting at a table, you have a bowl. And so, who's ever beside you, you would share in that bowl, church. Wow. And scripture tells us that Judas is sitting beside Jesus and he places his hand in the bowl with Jesus. Lord have mercy. 
Church, could you share a meal with someone who is going to betray you? Could you sit in the same space with someone who's going to stab you in the back? I don't think so. Only Jesus can do that and be okay with it. But the other disciples, they're still, they're so into, Lord, I hope it's not I. I don't want it to be me that they really don't even notice what is going on at the moment. And Jesus looks at Judas and he sends him on. This is Jesus. And while they are eating, Scripture says that Jesus took a loaf of bread and after he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Right at that moment, the disciples don't understand that Jesus is reinterpreting the body to signify him. The bread is his body. Though his bones wasn't broken, his body is ripped. At that moment, he shifts the meaning of the Passover meal or the Last Supper. Jesus is saying, I am the sacrificial lamb that will be slain on a cross, not a lamb on an altar, but the lamb on a cross. Then he takes the cup after giving thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink from it all, A-double-L of you. Not just you, and not just you, and not just you, but all of you. For this is the blood of the new covenant, which I poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, the people under the old covenant, they would understand this covenant language because it was taught to them back in the time of Moses, back in Exodus, when in Exodus 24 and 8, Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So here we have Jesus at this last meal and he's talking with his disciples about how the old covenant, it connects with the new. It was setting it up. It was setting up for the new covenant, which is Jesus, the broken bread and the poured out blood. It was set up way back in Exodus. Jesus is letting them know that no longer do you have to go before a priest or sacrifice a lamb to talk to me and my father. <laughs> See, after I pass and I rise, you can go to the father anytime, any place, anywhere, for anything.
Church, Jesus anticipates his death so that the new can begin. Church, Jesus is letting us know that I am the way, I'm the bread. So we call it the Last Supper. Yes, it was the Last Supper with Jesus at that moment for the disciples, but I call it our First Communion. <laughs> Jesus tells them, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. The Lord's Supper. This was no regular, ordinary supper. This was the Lord offering himself to everyone in the room, the Lord still offering up himself to us in 2021. <laughs> Communion is a sacred time in the life of the church. And when Jesus says this, that he would not drink until he drinks with you in the Father's kingdom, you need to wake up and listen, because what he's saying is I'm gonna extend this invitation a little longer until every ear has heard, every eye has seen that everyone around the world has had a chance to be introduced to me. So I'm gonna hold up and I'm gonna extend this invitation to the world a little longer. See, communion is an invitation for us to come no matter your situation, your circumstance, or whatever's going on, come, taste, and see that the Lord is good. See, the Lord's Supper is a time when we can connect to God, to Jesus, to the saints before us, to the saints in the room, to the world. It's that one meal, bread and cup, Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. God is a communal God. In the beginning when he created, he created, and then he said, let us create in our image for community, relationship, God with Adam and Eve. God is a God of communal, community, communion. It all goes together. God is a relational God. This is not an individual thing. This is a community thing, y'all. I'm gonna leave you with a story. <clears throat> when I was growing up, for some reason, I always loved to become friends with the person that no one else wanted to play with. That, that was me. I just loved to do that. Now, I was popular. I just want y'all to know that, okay? I was a very popular person. I was bubbling, outgoing, as you probably can tell. I was a piece of work as a child. Um, 
But for some reason in a crowded room, in a classroom, on a playground, I could always spot that one that was disconnected or didn't want to play or didn't feel like being involved. And I would stick myself out there and say, hey, how you doing? You know, introduce myself. Sometimes they rub you off. They rub, you know, roll their eyes. They say something smart. But I don't stop. I come back the next day, right? So eventually, <laughs> you're going to talk to me, and you're going to be a part, and you're going to play. And I'm going to pull you, and I'm going to drag you, and I'm going to say, hey, do you know Patsy? Patsy's my friend. Hey, Patsy, do you know Jonathan? Jonathan's my friend. And then we become friends, and we play together, and then it grows. Well, there was this young lady, I'll never forget, and I go over there and I say, hey, girl. I was like, come on and play. And she was like, no, you know, I'm okay. And she did this for a long time. And so finally, she just came and sat with me in the cafeteria. And she said, uh, I'm not allowed to play with people that aren't like me. And I said, oh, let me see. We got two hands. We got two feet. We have one mouth, two ears, two eyes. I'm like, huh? What do you mean? Not like you. And she said, I'm not allowed to play with people who aren't saved. And I said, how do you know people aren't saved? And she said, the way they conduct themselves or the way they act out in the playground, I said, well, this is the playground. I mean, hey, it's a playground. We can do, you know, we can act wild. And she said, so I'm not allowed to mix with the wrong kind. <sighs> so I had to go to my grandmother on that one, y'all, because I kind of didn't know what to do with it. And I went to my grandmother and I said, Granny, I got a little girl in my class and she don't want to play. She said, we're not saved and she don't want to play with us. And then Granny said, ask her a question. Ask her, does she believe in Jesus? Does she serve Jesus? Is Jesus her Lord? And if she says yes, and then you tell her, that's how I am too and see what happens. So I go back the next day and I say, hey girl, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, I go to church. She said, good. So I ask her the three questions and she says, yes. I said, well, that's my answer too. So how are we different? Same Jesus. We both love him. We both serve him. We both obey him. I just may be a little louder than you, a little out there than you, but I love the same Jesus just like you do. So church, I asked you, next week when we have communion, think of it as just not you receiving, but you connecting to Jesus, to God, through the Holy Spirit, to the church, to the body, to the world, that we all are connecting together because we all need each other to survive and to thrive. We have to do it together because Jesus commands that we love one another because Jesus first loved us. We are a community. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit, let the church say amen.